Welcome to Unapologetic Women, a podcast with Tony and Saoirse about current affairs, culture, politics, life, and how we got here. These are unscripted conversations about the things we care about, not the things that we're experts in. Tony, how are you, darling? I'm good, I love. as You you, you ask me that as you sip your red wine. In a Christmas I'm, dress. In a Christmas <laughs> dress. Um, I'm good, and I've had a realisation of all the things that we want to talk about today and I haven't read news updates in I think a couple of days I'm not gonna lie I kind of fucking love having to not wake up every morning and worry about the state of politics like politics has gone back to being normal Joe Biden broke his foot I'm just like I'm down for that kind of like I'm here for those updates um, but yeah I haven't been watching I haven't actually been following closely everything that's happening and I'm curious if you have you kept on top of everything? Bits and bobs. Um, I haven't done my normal 10 or 9 o'clock local news in in a beat, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, bits and bobs. Like, I honestly have just been very excited to follow yeah. the appointments yeah. of qualified people, people who are and not women. a family member of Joe Biden's. Or Camilla Harris's. So that's been really riveting for me personally. Yeah. Um, you know, just I think hearing about Barr coming out, was that yesterday or today at some point this week? Yeah. Uh, acknowledging that they haven't actually seen um, voter fraud across yeah. the country. Like that to me, I think just had, there was, I know, I just, I felt very hopeful. Yeah that all of the crazy conspiracy theories of, you know, a, a dual inauguration and him not leaving and, and the FBI and the CAA having to come and forcibly remove him. Like, I just feel like that now is, there's less chance of that, that being happening? a thing. Because what we had, what was it last week? We had, was it last week the federal government basically recognized that President-elect Joe Biden was the apparent winner of the election? And then didn't he get also the official green light to coordinate with the federal agencies for his inauguration. And I think something like Trump had to unlock the funds for him to do that. Although whilst I found it amusing of how this is even possible, that he unlocked the funds for him to start his transition, but still wouldn't accept that he was the de facto winner. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Baby steps. But serious baby steps. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah. And so he, he is still fighting. Um, like he being Trump. Trump. Yeah. Trump is still fighting. Yeah. Um, but he only has until December 8th. So December 8th is when all of the states will certify yeah. their results. Okay. And he can still contest after that. But like realistically, December 8th, all states will have certified. And then we're going to move into the Electoral College actually voting from yeah. what we talked about last week. Yeah. Right. Like that's where you get to the process where we don't believe. Right that there will be any faithless electorates. Um, and so it seems pretty smooth riding all the way through January 20th, right? Just like touch wood. Yes. If there's wood near you, touch it. <laughs> touch it now. <laughs> um, and I, I think the excitement, people are allowed now to feel mm. excited about what this presidency will be. What it means, yeah. But I do want to just like pause for a second on it's been what are we, December 2nd? So a month, basically, since the election. And we still have a president that, yes, he has now let some of the red tape go, 
but he is still not conceded. Like, Tony, have this, have you ever seen this anywhere else in the world? No, not in not in democracies. Let's put it that way. Countries and democracies, modern democracies, that's not a thing. I also, I think I said this to you, but I feel like, what was it, the second night of the election results when Trump spoke, second or third night when Trump spoke for the, his second time. And I did, I was listening to his speech thinking, this is it. This is his concession speech, or this is as much of a concession speech as we are going to get out of him. And I just feel he's just going to disappear. And there's going to be no speech, no goodbye, no thank you, which I think is going to really piss off the supporters or a chunk of the supporters that he has. I think he just is at a point where he could not care less. I don't think he's ever cared. Well, you know, like, and I think the unfortunate piece of that is there are, you know, and we've said this a thousand times, but it's always worth repeating. There are 72 million people that voted for him. Yep. And those people deserve a concession speech. Those people deserve a moment of him acknowledging and thanking, thanking them because he hasn't done that yet. He did the half-assed thing on election night of like, we've won this, which was so far from the truth. Um, But, you know, he hasn't come out in any way, shape or form to acknowledge the work that his supporters supporters did for him in this election. Um, which is very normal, which we know is not his juju. Um, and that's but the thing, it's very isn't it? normal. Nothing <laughs> is normal about this whole transition period. And, we, and I think everyone warned us, which thank God for that, everyone warned that this was going to be a long and tedious and very layered and very complex transition period at, at best of times. And it was interesting reading a few, it was actually interesting reading, what was it? like Obama explaining when he took over and when he handed over to Trump and what that looked like and what that felt like. And those transition discussions were happening, what was it, two, three days after the election results came in? And to your point, we're a month in and those have barely started. Um, Barely. And it was interesting just, we've never, I, I personally have never thought about a transition period as much as I thought about it with this one. And it's it, it reminded me of just like, perfectly orchestrated events when they're done Mm. beautifully you don't think about them there's just it just seamless you don't think about how hard it was to coordinate you don't think about the hundreds of little details and decisions that went into it but the moment problems start arising and cracks you start realizing all the problems that could go wrong and it feels a little bit like this with the transition period of it's unwieldy and inefficient at the best of times we're talking about what two million full-time civil servants but actually it is probably closer to nine million active duty military postal workers contractors that are all tied to the government and what it means for a transition period it's a lot of people and then obviously in this case he biden hasn't benefited from the existing president helping him through this transition period and so i can't even imagine how complicated and it's it's putting the country in a couple of steps back yeah like the work that the Biden team is doing, and they have done a fantastic job of we- weavering around yeah. him. I get yeah, like yeah. there isn't even a language for it. Um, but like to your point, Tony, of the I am I'm like on the edge of my seat type vibe when it's like, well, oh, he's well, who's he going to announce next? Yeah, because I am so used to over the past four years of it being people willfully unqualified given positions of power that shouldn't have been given positions of power 
and being hosted up on a pedestal because he decided that they're the person he wants in charge of entering anything. And well, probably one... he didn't even decide. He was convinced. Let's put it out. Oh. He was probably let's, let's, let's give him even less credit. I was hearing now <laughs> that he the way he and I, look, I really don't know how much of this is true, and I haven't had time to dig into it. So let's put it as um, not factual, but noise of the way he is making a quick buck right now is he is apparently being bribed for pardons. Oh yeah. And when you think of America being a democracy, that is the last fucking thing that should be happening right now. Well, it's that and it's the presidential or sorry, not presidential executive orders that are just being pushed through. When if you look back at history, every lame duck period of a presidency, they are not forcing orders down the gun to make it just that more complex when a new president elect comes in in less than a month. And especially right now, it's interesting. And again, it's one of those things that I'd hadn't thought about until thinking about how important a smooth transition period is, is the whole idea of how serious of a national security challenge or threat this can pose when there's not a proper transition in place. The things that can fall through the cracks because you currently have two presidents trying to figure out what the hell to do, or to your point, the Biden team is having to work around the current president. Um, And so, and that's serious when you think about the national security challenges that that can cause that can cause on top of the fact of the current challenges that america is facing right now which is there's a global pandemic there's an economic crisis the the light at the end of this very dark tunnel this bleak tunnel <laughs> give us the light <laughs> for me with the announcement of the senior communication staff yeah which number one all women all women And diverse women from different backgrounds, different races, different ethnicities across the board. And I think it's a reflection of what we're going to see in this presidency um, for the next four years. And the focus on DEI, diversity and inclusion, like that has never been a focus in my time in living here. And I have to say probably before that. Um, of a president. And so I'm so excited to see what that actually means for how laws are made and for how the presidency will interact with the other branches of government when you're, if you are lead it being led by someone who has that as a priority, that completely will shift the narrative and the conversations that you're going to have between Congress and the executive branch. And I'm really excited to see what that means for the US given this past painful eight months nine months that we've had in the united states as it pertains to a race war and what we've seen with people genuinely dying um because of the color of their skin and so i'm really really excited for what that's going to entail given the focus like it's the first time a president has actually acknowledged that as a focus a core focus Okay, so there's another thing that i found interesting that i saw a picture of of someone saying and again it's something that we've not taken for granted, but something that I think we've forgotten to your point of just actually having people who are made for the job, who are perfect in the job, who have experience and expertise in, in this position. Um, it's just looking at how representative the team that he's built is of everyday America. It is that, and that visual is so important. Like being able to see yourself in roles of leadership 
is so powerful and it is something that has gone by the wayside in the past four years because if you think if you look at his cabinet yes from a gender lens he has he does have women in roles of power but from a race and ethnicity lens he does not and not seeing people that look like you is a really like mentally detrimental thing and we're now having Camilla Harris as the vice president, right? A woman who looks like other people in this country. Yes, we have Joe Biden, who is at the top, who is a white man. But it is a small step, and I will take it, given that this country, for some reason, has a problem with women running for the highest office. I don't know why, but they it made it real though. clear. Yeah. <laughs> It's also interesting, I think, for someone like Biden, who has been in office for so long mm. and who is actually part of, you know, the older white boys club. Um, and he's sort of, I think, stepping out of his comfort zone. Like he truly is trying to make an effort to not handpick the people that he probably, don't want to say grew up with, but he probably, you know, climbed the, the ladders of this political sphere with. And he is seriously it sounds it looks like from the outside that he is definitely trying to make a conscious effort um to step out of that and and find the best man or woman for the job um which is really exciting it is and it i don't know there's a personal reflection like i i'm um a member of a board from my alumni and we're coming into a nominating period and so we i literally had a call with them today of what does it look like to nominate outside of our bubbles and so we are going to implement for the first time this year we have a nominating committee we're going to implement them bringing back the um nominees to the larger board but without any name i love that so that there isn't that moment in the room of oh i know that person so they should get it And it's a really just like, I would love to know the ins and outs of like the complexity of what this transition team is going through, because you have obviously the the normal layer that you would have to get any job of like, do you meet? Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now you do. (laughs) We didn't for a while. In normal times. But the normal thing of like, do you have the qualifications to fit this role? But then there is the added layer of like, does this person look like the rest of America? And then there's also removing the construct of any of your own biases to bringing certain individuals to the table to your point, Tony, around like people that they climbed the ladder with. Yeah, that's just easy to go, I can call up Bob, I know James, I know Andrew. And it's just like, oh, these all sound like names of middle-aged white men. For sure. But like the the Secretary of State, uh, Anthony... Blinken, there we go. I was like, what this? Um, he was is an Obama Biden like era alum. And there are okay. a number of folks on this list who are. Of course. And so yes, like that is definitely a part of it. You are having the familiarity piece. But those people are qualified. That is the key difference. Like it's not like you're just bringing in your cousin. These are qualified people who are like able to do the job and will excel in the job. And I'm just thinking of something sort of right now, which actually a stable America, in my opinion, or a stable um, 
government is going to be one where we don't actually have to, there are no headlines. There's just, it. it's just the country is running as it should be. Um, and obviously that's not going to be the case because we're still in a pandemic and there's still an economic crisis and we're going to hopefully see sooner rather than later positive headlines on the impact and what's changing and all of that. But it is this thing again of we're going to have to shake and I think this is what I meant by the beginning of I've stopped following the news or waking up and first thing scrolling to see what damage, what more further damage has been done is that's not actually an environment or a stable environment that actually isn't. And it's pure entertainment. And so exciting to see us moving away in, in America. And I, I wish for the same in the UK as well, quite frankly, um, mm. but moving away from this sort of entertainment era. Um, to just a well-functioning, well-rounded government that doesn't make the headlines every day. They shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. But And I think the other thing that I want to make sure we talk about here is the diversity of political views. Yeah. To bring that 70 million back, it's important that you do not have an echo chamber of Democrats who are all at the table, who all yeah. believe the same thing, who blah, 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 blah. And we're seeing that. You're seeing that in a couple of his picks. Excuse me. In particular, when I was like, I'm so she's getting very emotional about the income. Janet Yellen, um, uh, the Secretary of the Treasury, that has both sides of the aisle being like, okay, all right, interesting. Like yeah. we can, we can, we can do all this, and that mm. is a functioning government that we have not had even in an Obama era, where this echo chamber was happening. Of these are all my people. And so I think that's the other layer to this of him, Joe Biden, and what he ran on throughout his campaign of being able to bring it, Republicans and, and Democrats to the table. And it's not sexy, but he can like, extend an arm and a hand across the aisle and get people talking without ruffling too many feathers. Again, not something that makes headlines, not sexy, not doesn't scream drama, but it gets the job done, um, which you're right, it's part of the role. Um, or part of the goal or the aim when you're in that position of can you talk to both sides of the aisle can you get the and you have done? to be able to like there there was a wall street journal article about how and you know a number of his picks aren't progressive enough and you know, his own party not being particularly happy about that and i it takes me back to when he stood on the debate stage and said i am the democratic party interesting yeah yeah i remember that you know the that it, it's it's a refreshing moment to see that we may be coming away from this polarization or we're seeing leadership that allows for that polarization to maybe kind of stop for a minute and allow people to bridge and see each other as human beings versus red and blue. It's going to be interesting because I feel like he's going to be, Biden is going to have to take the role of the grown up for the Trump supporters who are going to be left without their leader, which is something rare that happens, is like that person, Trump and everything that he represented, I do believe is just going to disappear. He's going to, I have a belief that he might even start his own media empire, but he's going to somewhat disappear from politics. Um, and basically, they, these, these, his voters are going to be left in the hands of Biden of you're going to have to figure out how you extend an arm towards them or how you get them. And it was been interesting already starting to see some of the backlash of their we've heard a few read a few pieces of their requesting to get a refund and their money back on the micro donations that trump had been seeking out from them yeah. and to pay for you know his future bills and it's insane to see already that just took a couple of weeks for 
his supporters to wake up and go, wait, where, where's this money going? What is it funding? Oh, it's going straight into his pockets? No. N- actually, can I have my money back? <laughs> you kind of go, no, you can't, but fair play. But, you're, you know, unfortunately, he has been so deceitful mm. in this period where he's clinging to power because he just can't let go. He can't admit it. And so he is clinging to this, like, fame. It's that, you know, the old school five minutes of fame. He's had it for four years. And he doesn't want to let go. And he knows that in this moment, he can get money and he can galvanize people. And the emails, I'm on the list. That It's horrendous. And, like, I cannot legally donate in this country. But yet I am still, every day, get a donation request. And they are, like, abrasive. <laughs> like... Like, for someone who has have you got, can you pull up one? Because I remember seeing snippets of some of them and just, they're they're inhumane, kind of, in in their aggressiveness as well. Uh, I remember reading one or two and just, it's basically everyone but you has has helped me. What are you waiting for? Um, How careless can you be? Or do you just not care about me? It was in that vein um, that was just shocking. Friend, I wanted to make sure you saw this. The mainstream media isn't reporting on any of the victories. <laughs> I can't. I actually can't. It's so bad. Um, I, I actually can't because I don't want to give it airtime. Um, oh, fair enough. Oh, I'm you know, down for that. It's okay. just, it is, it is yeah. not. But what's the messages nice. that are coming through? No, I get that. It is, but it is pure, you haven't done enough for me, basically. Exactly. You yeah. haven't done enough. All of these people are counting on you. Like, it is that. It is fear-mongering. It is, I need every last penny. And any explanation to what? Where this money is going towards? Or any explanation to how, again, I don't want you to give more time than what it deserves, but I'm just curious of how much... Because there is something with what he has created of this fanatic group of people who will do anything with very little explanation, uh, which is unheard of. It's It's the cult but like it's the cult type atmosphere of like blindly following and there is there's a small print where you can go in and you can read you can click on his privacy policy and you can see where his money is being funneled it's being funneled to three different um entities and so but no one's going to read that and you know like with that <laughs> we know that more than anything that no one reads the terms of service until they're like wait why am i getting the ad i just spoke about in my home then people get creeped out. Like, it's it's just unfortunate. But it, it, that also brings up a question of, like, the actual donation infrastructure in this country and the power that politicians and political parties have over people to actually take money out of their own pocket and put it in someone else's pocket. And in this instance, that's being misused as opposed to what normally happens in political campaigns where it's used to contact voters, to print out bumpers, like all of the things. Um, But we're seeing, again, for the first time, a serious misuse of funds. And yet no one is holding him accountable. Shouldn't the public be holding him accountable? Because I don't know who else would, and I guess... We did, we voted him out. There you go. Right, like <laughs> that's it. But it's it just it's so painful that for the past four years, he genuinely just hasn't been held accountable. 
you know, I, I've worked with people that have been fired for less. I got, there was an interesting article and I got someone else who kind of asked me this question and I think it's a nice sort of way to tie all of this in, which was, why do we wait until the later part of January to swear in a president that we elect in November? Like, it sounds weird that we're waiting, you know, 10, 11 weeks and you compare this to the UK where the Brits, you know, have a newly elected prime minister and then within a couple of days they get to meet the Queen and they get to form their new government. And it was just a nice reminder of, that's because the president isn't actually legally elected in November to what time to what you were saying about the Electoral College last week. Uh, that's what's going to happen early of next year. Um, so it was just a nice reminder of that um, as well. Of, it is insane to think that it takes 10 to 11 months, again, going back to this transition period of you don't really think about that time when it's smooth. But when it's not, 10 to 11 weeks sounds like eternity. Well, and it's like, I have no idea if this is true, but November 2nd, that Tuesday always is your election. Then you have Thanksgiving, and then you have Christmas, or the holidays. So that period is like a wash for functioning for people who are functionally doing their jobs. It's a wash, um, and it is, yeah. Maybe that has something. To, I have no idea, but like it's still to me, it also still shouldn't take that long for the yeah, electoral yeah. college to cast a ballot. Like, and maybe that's another reason why the electoral college isn't a thing that you know should should be the decision maker in in electing presidents. Um, actually, for that reason, like we should know the moment that the the votes are counted, um, and they can actually start. Well, and I'm sure there have been obviously gore, but like, and I wasn't here to to live through that. But it, this is my first memory of someone of a, a candidate, a president at the time, contesting so many states. And so what does that look like? If the popular vote is the f- matter of fact, mm. then is it, like, is December 8th, what's that? So that would be six weeks, five weeks? Five yeah. weeks after election that you have five weeks as a state to certify your vote. Is that true for every state or is every state a little different? Uh, December 8th is the deadline. So you have, give or take, five weeks. Is that enough? Is that too short? Is like, is that too long? It's also really hard to visualise and to understand how long it takes. Like what they did with Wisconsin, what was it, in two of the counties, they did the recount. And just manually doing a recount of that many votes. I, I could, I mean, I know people have thought about this for, for, for many years, but... What does that take? Like, how long do you how long do you give for someone that it feels fair? I also found it hysterical that in those two counties the results was slightly increasing. Yeah, um, increased by <laughs> I know. It was. I saw a headline somewhere and it was like Trump paid four million to increase Biden's thing by like forty seven votes, and I was like, wow, bud, wow. But no, but seriously, <laughs> but seriously, like that's, but like. It's an antiqu- it's an antiquated process and the construct of mobile voting, especially after this election, I just don't know how it gains oxygen. What do you mean by that? Like there's so much pain right now that I am feeling from the general populace of like fear and worry in their electoral process and like the legitimacy and democracy as a whole that introducing a technological component to the electoral process, to me, feels dead on arrival. 
but maybe it is the best like maybe it is the time right now for innovation and for the folks who are leading the mobile voting charge like it did operate in some states like colorado had some precincts that had mobile voting like there have been test runs of this like it is out there in the world and there are democracies in Europe where they do everything online and it, it works perfectly. And it look, it's always going to be, we, we've spoken about this for years at, at Nation Builder when we talk about, you know, the evolution of campaigning and elections and what that looks like. And we've always said it's not about replacing the old with the new. It's not about um, out with the old, in with the new technology. It's about actually figuring out how the two work together. And I think this is it. It's about figuring out what are the things that traditionally worked really well that we can amplify if we spend all of our time on this. Well, and Tony, like the, the work together piece is actually really interesting there because if if people had access to be able to vote through the internet or on their cell phone, would we see that trajectory that we talked about a couple of weeks back of the number of people participating continue to stay on the line that it's on? Maybe, right? Because you're opening it up to a whole new demographic. As long as you don't, to your point, as long as you don't leave the people behind and you're just bringing on new people and getting them excited and lowering that barrier to entry of how do you get excited, how do you get more people excited in politics in more simplistic ways, then it becomes exciting. But then you also have the component of, I don't know what the percentage is, but there is a high percentage of people in this country that don't have access to the internet. And that's the thing to keep in mind. Like that's the digital divide that we have to be weary of and yeah, have to make like sure you're that you're not isolating happen. people. And But is it valuable? Is it is is the gain worth the risk? And I think it has to be. I honestly don't think we have a choice. I don't think we can have run elections or campaigns or even a democracy without technology being at the mm, centre of fire. it. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. One more episode done. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening along with Tony and I. If you liked it, please do share it with your friends and family or give us a review on whatever you listen to for your podcasts.